0: Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix Legal Operations and Technology team. Today's episode pulls one of my favorite conference hallway conversations onto Clock Talk. That combo is with Brian Tang, founding executive director of the Light Lab at the University of Hong Kong. Light's program stands for Law, Innovation, Technology and Entrepreneurship and focuses on legal tech, fintech, AI, blockchain and inclusive technology. Light won an Innovation Award at CLOCK's 2022 Global Institute, where Brian and I sat down at the conference close to discuss that and one of the most debated topics... What education and training do you need to be an effective legal ops professional? Again, and as some of you know, I'm in camp don't need a JD. I don't have one. Brian's in that camp as well, but we get into it on what skills and competencies are non-negotiable. Hope you enjoy the episode and jump in on the debate in the LinkedIn comments. We are jamming. jamming with Jen. Brian Tang from the Light Lab at University of Hong Kong has his own microphone. All right. And I have mine and we're sitting in these two red plaid chairs (laughs) in the Bellagio hallway outside the Grand Ballroom. We just wrapped the whole event. Welcome to our podcast. Really
1: pleased to be here, Jen. And it's good to chat in the morning because these evenings, the jet lag hits have been... Having early nights, so I haven't been a party guy this oh, time. Good. so Next I'm time. catching
0: you at a, the right time in the energetic <laughs> window of Hong Kong to Las Vegas jet lag.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, what's our time difference we're talking
1: Hong Kong? So it's here 3.40 in the morning right now in Hong Kong. Holy
0: Jesus. <laughs> well, you look great considering... Let's see, so you... We're one of our LEO or Legal Innovation Operations Project winners. So congratulations on that. Thanks so much. It was a competitive process this year, I heard. We took submissions from just all around the world, read through them. What are we doing? How are we innovating? And tell us a little bit about your award and and where you're at with that.
1: Sure. So maybe a little bit of background. So I was trained as a traditional lawyer. It was with big law at Sullivan Cromwell, New York. Sure. And then I was headhunted to join Credit Suisse in Hong Kong. Okay. So I, I know the inside scoop, shall we say, and the issues. I mean, I would joke that I would have to draft underwriting agreements worth billions of dollars and then I would have to do NDAs. So it doesn't make sense. You so a use the, Just a little bit. Yeah. Then I left to go into the startup world, whether it's in fintech and regtech. And then what happened was I heard about this thing called Global Legal Hackathon. I said, cool, lawyers yeah. doing innovation. Doing- but uh, nobody was organizing in Hong Kong, so I did that. And our top team made the finals and won in New York. So that's how I got tapped on the shoulder by Hong Kong to say, Brian, we want to launch a new initiative for you. Will you help us do that? Yeah. So so that's how I entered the academy. I'm only third year in, in academia. Okay. So it's uh, law, stands for law, innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. Yeah. On the one hand, we're trying to train the next generation of lawyers with technology and the like. I tell my students at law school, you train to write for law professors and judges. Yes. How do you communicate with real world people, yeah, well, right? the,
0: real, and, and the real, people. Real, day, real issues. And every day, kind of in the ins and outs of everyday work. Absolutely. Yeah. And working in teams, <gasps> you know, yeah. that's a big thing in law yeah, school, group, right? They don't, group do work. Work. they don't do They don't do group work don't in law group school. Work. I did group work in business school. Everything was group work.
1: So business school, they're well known and famous for doing that. Law school, not really. So as part of this, we have a few programs. The one that qualified for Leo is our Law Tech and Reg Tech Sandbox. So the idea behind that is we invite the business community to submit their pain points. So because I was a lawyer, I knew the Corporate Counsel Association well. So we reached out through them and I had more than 20 submissions. They're from GC, so it's yeah. GC level. And a lot of them said, yes, I want to participate in that. But when I asked him, so what project do you have? A lot of them go, well, I don't know. I don't know. Right? right. I, I don't know. Yes. So that's how we narrowed that down to four based on those that actually did know, right? They knew their pay sure. points and so they were ready for it. And we were lucky to have in our inaugural group, little companies like HSBC, mm-hmm. FedEx Express, Goodman Asia. So they, they're really cross-section of different industries. And the idea was that these were proof of concepts. So I'm not Accenture here to deliver something that works. It's meant to be win-win. So you have the lawyers who feel that they're doing the students a favor. They're giving the students a chance to understand what it's like to be in these companies and and working on these issues. We work on no-code, low-code platforms. Most of the projects ended up being triage projects. So again, they they propose the pain points, right? Self-help projects, some document automation as well. So including one which related to the leasing process, the students in my class learn four foundational aspects. One is legal design thinking. One is business model canvas. Because the joke is so many in-house people don't even know how companies make money. No. So it's so important that they learn the money side, you know, how the business operate. They learn some basic agile project management. And the then last plan. but not least is computational thinking. Oh. So we're not teaching you to do Python and the like, it's all no code, low code. Yeah. So the students then work over one semester, so three months yeah. in relation to the project. I require them and my project partners to also have user testing so that we actually speak yeah. who are the users, Where are the touch points, and then it culminates in a final presentation. So kind of like a pitch night. You like that. Yeah. The students present, they do demos, yeah. and they would share reflections. Oh. But importantly, and this is part of this the is storytelling. It's
0: like, like a boot camp for this work yeah, that we did. It is. It, it, well, that's why there's so much. When can, I learned can I, about. Can I come and audit one of these three month semesters? This sounds so well, cool.
1: Well, part of my reason for being here is I'd love to roll this out and yeah. scale this, and yeah. maybe we'll collaborate with Clock and we'll do maybe. programs to actually launch this across. So the last one with computational thinking is for them to learn about processes. Yeah. So lawyers, we know all the answers. Sure it's do. In the noggin,
0: I always but we j- can explain it. I always joke, what is the class in law school where they tell you, you know everything and you're experts at everything in the world. I want to come and take that one <laughs> class and just audit the one because that's an observation I have with law school training or lawyer thinking.
1: So actually, as the lawyers get more sophisticated, you know the anecdote with the doctors. Yeah. I'm a doctor. Oh, I've got this pain here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. Oh, I've got this family law issue. I'm like, no, I'm not that kind of lawyer, right? right? So law actually is quite specialized. But we'd go really deep if you go into that area. But the reality is that can you even explain in in simple terms? Yeah. Number one. But number two, it's the process. Yeah. So can you explain the the way you think about it and how I I would say is if you can flowchart the decision making, you can code it exactly right and so that's kind of the thinking process that we have so
0: that should be like a marketing slogan and you can steal this if you can flow <laughs> it you can code it something I like, like it. that yeah, something like absolutely. that because it's a really good concept and that is the kernel of all the work that we do and you're really highlighting that the typical legal lawyer mind doesn't think this way they're trained in another way to think people like me think this yeah. way and the collision points of those two are where we get to do the work and This work is challenging because we have to show this kind of thinking to that mind. And then we have to adapt our communication style to their kind of thinking. And it's a meeting of the minds here. I mean, let me ask you, do you believe that in law school, they have to start programming for any of this? Or do you think it's an institute like where you are that is like a finishing school or, or come out and do that? Because I don't want to mess with lawyers ability to be lawyers and navigate the business or the people through the law?
1: It's a great question and it's a perennial one. So there's a school of thought that code is the law, lawyers should learn to code. I'm not particularly in that school because lawyers are trained in a particular way. You know, you go through med school. One of the things to highlight also is that while law is a postgraduate course in the States, it's undergraduate in most other jurisdictions. So my students are really young. The undergrads. Yeah. And so in some ways, perhaps their minds are yeah. more open to things. Yeah. I think ultimately the law students learn various tools. One of my thinkings, actually, as I iterate the course, so we're a startup as well. I tell everyone. Yeah. So every time we learn by doing, yeah. sometimes we make mistakes and that's how you learn. Yeah. I think I'm going to use mine as kind of capstone classes. So you learn all the basic tools, but as one of the last classes. You kind of pull it all together. And then the same way that people are learning legal communication skills yeah. and advocacy skills. So after you learn the substantive law stuff, mm-hmm. perhaps this legal innovation and in technology becomes another tool and ma-
0: modality. You know, when I went to business school undergrad, we had a business curriculum. Mm-hmm. It was a bachelor's in science degree, probably 66 credits, like one of the meteor ones. Mm-hmm. And then you chose a concentration yep. that was 30 of the credits or yep. 24 of the credits. Or you could do a double concentration. And you so I went for it and I did finance and info systems design. Oh, nice. So I got three of the I got four finance classes, five MSI classes, as Mm -hmm. they called it. (laughs) And it was such a well-rounded degree experience. All the business classes in the info systems design Mm -hmm. were capstone. Mm. It was All group work, Mm. all capstone, all culminated to a presentation at the end of the semester. And the teacher would play real world on the grading. And he'd say, only one team gets the deal. Only one company gets the deal. (laughs) So only one team gets the A. Yes, yes. And so I did a lot of fighting in the professor's offices for those A's. But I do love the track. Choose a track that you're drawn to. And maybe you're double track or maybe you're like a legal comms innovation track double major on top of this base that yeah. you talked about the four pillars yeah, that yeah. used to stand around i love that
1: so you have such a great idea now i joke i used to be in big law and yeah. then big bank yeah. and now i'm this thing called the academy yeah universities alas chain creating tracks is yeah. not easy so there are quite a few of us a, a, a really still small number but hopefully growing number of people who are actually doing something else and now in the academy doing a little bit of what I'm doing, right? Trying to train the next generation. But at this stage, most of us are doing individual courses, right? As electives. There are some universities that are creating some of these either dual degrees or tracks like in in Singapore, SMU, there is one there as well. But that is the minority because to actually do that, the law faculty needs to work with the computer science department. Yeah. And unless there's full alignment on both sides. Yeah.
0: Alignment. <laughs> yes. Alignment. The magic word of making magic and business happen in the world.
1: So you would know, especially in legal ops, all the different departments. Yeah, same. Right? Yeah. So same, same in a university. There are all the different faculties, yeah. which are almost like different BU's yeah. that are focused on different things. Sure. So trying to get them to work together. So I think hopefully going forward, yeah. that is something to aim for. In the meantime, I think what a lot of us are doing are doing individual courses. But one of the things I'm looking towards now doing is, and why I was so pleased to be here at CLOCK is to hear what is happening mm, yeah. to, because the legal ops is still very, very, very nascent. Yeah. So I'd love to work with CLOCK to kind of expand it there. But since yeah. I've now got kind of a, not quite tried and true, I wouldn't yeah. say that, but with test attested, right, yeah. battle tested curriculum, we've finished our two cohorts now love to be able to roll that out across the board. Yeah. So my provocation is this, there is a difficulty in sometimes in kind of getting individual law schools. So, hey, do you want this program, right? Yes. So my thought is this, to speak to the clock members to say, look, if you like this, you like the concept of actually working with universities, law schools, and not just law schools though. So so my course is interdisciplinary. So we have students from other faculties as well, but most of them are law. Then outreach to your local law schools yeah. where you have relationships and say, hey, would you like to do something like that? If you don't have the programming, I know someone that I can refer you yeah. to
0: and you, c- you up, can collaborate, collaborate. Create, so create a d- joint track or something together.
1: At least create, uh, so so my little light labs, yeah, right? So we can have light labs at different universities. Yeah. So with the building curriculum, we do a blended learning approach. Got it. I've already got one law school in, in Australia that I'm working with cool. to, to expand it. Would love to do that more here in North America and beyond whale Clockers.
0: This is something that's it's why you won an award and were recognized because you're pushing forward in an innovative way on education, bringing all of this to the fore in a digestible way and a place for people to come and get the right training. Brian, I love that we got this moment to sit down after. What a great way to kind of wrap up this conference and think about, Continued learning, right? Yes. This is all about continued for learning. all of us. For it's, all of us, yes. it, it doesn't end. I mean, yep. I want to know more about the pillars and audit a course or come. <laughs> I want to come to Hong Kong for many reasons. Come, 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 yes. And this is just another thing I can do in Hong Kong and dig in with you on stuff. My last question for the day for you is: Who has the better food, Hong Kong or New York? You've lived in both, Ooh. and these are probably. <laughs> Of the three top world-class cities on the level, this is the top two for food. Where are you holding here? You're going to get me into trouble. I know. This is controversial because I've heard about Hong Kong's food scene. So Hong Kong is fantastic. What I can say is that my
1: flight in a couple of hours time is to go to New York and to catch up on the stuff that I've been missing. (laughs)
0: Like pizza.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I went to NYU, so of course oh, pizza. Of course pizza. <laughs> of course you're, pizza right? You're going
0: to be on McDougal eating whatever and Ab- whenever. Absolutely. Those are
1: great world cities. Yeah. I'm really lucky to have had the chance to work and live in those. Yes. But I'm going to be a lawyer and says, it depends, Jen. No,
0: so, no there's <laughs> no dependence. Brian. Be an innovator and take a position and it's okay to fail and it's okay to have some people hate you in a polarizer room (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the other half is going to love you. There you go, there you go. It depends, but if you close your eyes it can be eating anywhere right now. How about that? Chinese in Hong Kong. All right. not Chinese, New York. Okay. All right. That, I'll take the answer. I'll take that split answer. I can't wait to come to Hong Kong one day. I look forward to There's it. There's some Asia trips for me in the future, and I will make sure we see each other over there, and you'll take me to Chinese.
1: And we love Netflix in uh, Hong Kong.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you for streaming Netflix in Hong Kong as well. Thank you. Thank you. That about wraps up this episode of Clock Talk. Thank you, Brian, for your thoughts and contributions in shaping future legal ops professionals. You can catch this and all episodes of Clock Talk anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.